You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Numbers chapter 3, which is also our text this morning. We're going to read the verses 1 to 20, then we'll skip the verses 21 to 37, and then we'll read 38 to the end. This is the account of the family of Aaron and Moses at the time the Lord talked with Moses on Mount Sinai. The names of the sons of Aaron were Nadab the firstborn and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. Those were the names of Aaron's sons, the anointed priests who were ordained to serve as priests. Nadab and Abihu, however, fell dead before the Lord when they made an offering with unauthorized fire before him in the desert of Sinai. They had no sons, so only Eleazar and Ithamar served as priests during the lifetime of their father Aaron. The Lord said to Moses, Bring the tribe of Levi and present them to Aaron the priest to assist him. They are to perform duties for him and for the whole community at the tent of meeting by doing the work of the tabernacle. They are to take care of all the furnishings of the tent of meeting, fulfilling the obligations of the Israelites by doing the work of the tabernacle. Give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are the Israelites who are to be given wholly to him. Appoint to Aaron and his sons to serve as priests. Anyone else who approaches the sanctuary must be put to death. The Lord also said to Moses, I have taken the Levites from among the Israelites in place of the first male offspring of every Israelite woman. The Levites are mine, for all the firstborn are mine. When I struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, I set apart for myself every firstborn in Israel, whether man or animal. They are to be mine. I am the Lord. The Lord said to Moses in the desert of Sinai, Count the Levites by their families and clans. Count every male a month old or more. So Moses counted them as he was commanded by the word of the Lord. These were the names of the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, Merari. And these were the names of the Gershonite clans, Libni and Shimet, the Kohathite clans, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel, the Merarite clans, Mali and Mushi. These were the Levite clans according to their families. And then follows a description of each of these clans and the work that they are supposed to do for the Lord and his tabernacle. And we continue our reading at verse 38. Moses and Aaron and his sons were to camp in the east of the tabernacle to where the sunrise in front of the tent of meeting. They were responsible for the care of the sanctuary on behalf of the Israelites. Anyone else who approached the sanctuary was to be put to death. The total number of Levites counted at the Lord's command by Moses and Aaron according to their clans including every male a month old or more, was 22,000. The Lord said to Moses, Count all the firstborn Israelite males who are a month old or more and make a list of their names. Take the Levites for me in place of all the firstborn of the Israelites and the livestock of the Levites in place of all the firstborn of the livestock of the Israelites. I am the Lord. So Moses counted all the firstborn of the Israelites as the Lord commanded him. 
The total number of firstborn males a month old or more listed by names was 22,273. The Lord also said to Moses, Take the Levites in place of all the firstborn of Israel and the livestock of the Levites in place of their livestock. The Levites are to be mine. I am the Lord. To redeem the 273 firstborn Levites or Israelites who exceed the number of the Levites, collect five shekels for each one, according to the sanctuary shekel which weighs 20 geras. Give the money for the redemption of the additional Israelites to Aaron and his sons. So Moses collected the redemption money from those who exceeded the number redeemed by the Israelites. From the firstborn of the Israelites, he collected silver weighing 1,365 shekels, according to the sanctuary shekel. Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons as he was commanded by the word of the Lord. Some time ago, we began a series of sermons on the book of Numbers. And this time, seeing that Pastor Bradenoff and I have switched catechism preaching and free material preaching from the scriptures, we take up the thread again with Numbers chapter 3, which we have read together. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, you are special. When was the last time that anyone told you that? And when was the last time that anyone told you that as a congregation, you are special? But yet naturally, of course, that raises the question, why are we special? Are we special because we're all so good looking? Or because we're so bright? Or because we're so nice and respectable? Are we special because we made a serious attempt to get out of our bed this morning when perhaps we really didn't want to in order to be here? Or are we special because we sing Genevan tunes? Why are we special? Well, the answer, beloved, lies not with us, but with God. Our God makes us special. Our God has chosen us and called us to salvation. Our God has given us his name at baptism and entered into covenant with us. Yes, our God makes us special. And sorry to say, that has nothing to do with us per se, but everything to do with him, with his great love and mercy. If the basis, you know, of our specialness rested upon us, we would not be so special except probably in a negative sense. Special sinners, special debtors, special rebels. But thankfully the basis doesn't lie in us. It lies in God and in his wondrous love and marvelous grace in Jesus Christ. So, beloved, we are special in Christ. We are special through Christ. Praise be to God. Yes, and because we are special, we also receive special gifts and special blessings. And one of them has to do with special servants. That's also what we have just read together in Numbers chapter 3. For there, you can say, special people receive special servants. 
And that too is what's going to happen in this worship service. For this morning, as has been announced to you, you are going to receive another special servant in Brother Jim Underwater as an elder in the Church of Jesus Christ. He is another of God's special gifts to you. My brother, beloved, let us look at this in some more detail. I preached to you this morning on the following theme. Special servants for a special people. And we shall see this in the source of their service, the nature of their service, as well as the outcome of their service. Well, beloved, here in Numbers chapter 3, we are into the beginnings of Israel's history. For about a year, they have been camped near the, the foot of Mount Sinai. And there God had given to his special people new laws and regulations through Moses. Laws and regulations that are supposed to guide them through their wilderness wanderings as well as once they enter in to the promised land. And there too, you may remember, God had called for a census of his people. That census had been ordained in order to put them on a war footing. Because you see, the road through the desert is going to be tufted, filled with obstacles and all manner of enemies. And hence they need to be ready, organized, trained, and prepared for what is coming. But also something else, beloved, they need to be really organized. And that's why God gives them marching orders in Numbers chapter 2. If you read that chapter, you can see that he does not want them to be a mob going through the wilderness, all jockeying for position and not knowing who is first, second, or in between. Now he wants them to travel in an orderly, structured, and unified fashion. And so he declares that when they march and camp, the tribes of Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun are to go first. On the one side are going to be the tribes of Asherdan and Naphtali. On the other side are going to be the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and Simeon. And in the rear are going to be Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. So tribe by tribe, clan by clan, family by family... They are to move steadily forward as well as to camp in the evening. But beloved, there is also something else that needs to be decided on, and that has to do with the tabernacle, with the Lord's very presence among his people. How is that supposed to work? Well, you'll notice in our passage, in our text this morning, that the Lord tells Moses that he has to call the tribe of Levi forward for special service. First, there need to be priests who will work in the actual tabernacle itself. It will be their task to administer the offerings and the sacrifices as well as to supervise all of the ceremonial elements and to intercede for the people. And who will do that work? Well, it will be Aaron and his sons. They are the ones who are anointed for priestly duty. And by the way, they are the only ones from the tribe of Levi and from all Israel. No one else may take their place. No one else may do their work. 
priestly work belongs to the descendants of Aaron. But in addition to priestly work, there is also other work that needs to be done. For not only is the tabernacle the place for offering and sacrifice for the ministry of reconciliation, the tabernacle is also, if you will, a place on the move. But how to move and maintain so holy and elaborate a structure? And for that to happen, God says to Moses and Aaron that the tribe of Levi as a whole needs to be set aside and pressed into service. You might say the Levites constitute God's special moving company. But of course you may wonder about that. Why are the Levites singled out and why do they get this special task? Well, beloved, the answer lies in Exodus chapter 32. There we have that sordid incident with the golden calf. An incident in which God's people had Aaron make a calf so that they might worship it. And, of course, they danced around it in besotted frenzy. And upon seeing this Wickedness, Moses had called out, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And who came? It says in Exodus 32, 26, and all the Levites rallied to him. Only the Levites came. Only the Levites had not joined in. Only the Levites had remained true to the Lord. And then God uses the Levites to discipline his people. And afterwards, Moses declares, you have been set apart to the Lord today. Yes, the Levites have been set apart. And you know, that's also what we, we see already in Numbers chapter 1. For, for there all the people are counted except the Levites. The Lord says the families of the tribes of Levi, however, were not counted along with the others. And why not? Well, because Moses was told to appoint the Levites to be in charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. The Levites have been set apart. They're the caretakers of the tabernacle. They are the movers of the tabernacle. They are the guardians of the tabernacle. But you know, they're also something else. They're also to act as replacements. Replacements for whom, you ask? Well, the the Levites are to replace the firstborn sons from every Israelite tribe. Now here, beloved, things get a bit complicated, but let me explain. The great deed that finally liberated the children of Israel from slavery came at the cost of the firstborn, every man and animal in Egypt. They all died. They were all struck down by the Lord on that fateful night. 
But while God struck down all the firstborn sons of Egypt, you'll notice from Scripture he also did something else. He adopted all the firstborn in Israel. In other words, God created a special relationship between himself and the firstborn of Israel. They all belonged to him in a special way. They were all to serve him in a special way. Of course, you might wonder why the firstborn. Well, beloved, because to the firstborn belongs the family name and the family possessions. You see, if the firstborn belongs to God, that's another way of saying very symbolically but very clearly that everything actually belongs to God. He's the owner and the possessor of it all. But of course, there are a few problems here. First, by their worship of the golden calf, many, you might say, had been disqualified. And secondly, if the firstborn of every family has now to do special service to the Lord, then the whole nation and every tribe will be wrapped up in this service. And so what does God do? He chooses the tribe of Levi. And as all the men from this one tribe replace the firstborn from every Israelite tribe. Instead of all the tribes doing priestly duty and Levitical service, only one tribe is selected and chosen. And who does the selecting and the choosing? Beloved, none other than the Lord. And surely, beloved, that's a reminder to all of us that the one who really calls to special service in the church and in the kingdom of God is none other than the Lord God himself. The special offices in the Old Testament and also the special Offices in the New Testament are not the invention of mankind. They are not the creation and invention of the religious community. No, they come from God. God speaks. God selects. God appoints. God authorizes them. Yes, and it's good to remind ourselves of that today. For in these churches, some are busy, or in these days, some churches are busy creating and fashioning their own offices in terms of office. Sometimes I hear people speak about worship teams as if that's now a new ordained office in the Church of Christ. And at the same time, there is an aversion when it comes to speaking about the biblical offices of elder and deacon. Indeed, how many churches insist today on the presence and the practice of biblical offices? We need to be true to the revelation of our God 
And that revelation still calls men like Brother Jim Underwater and others to be ordained to office in the Church of Christ. But then, beloved, if it is God who ordains to office, he also does more. He also goes out of his way to ordain a variety of offices. You can see that in our text very clearly as well. Levi has three surviving sons, Gershon, Kohas, and Merari. And in turn, these three sons are the heads of three large clans. And what does the Lord do with these three clans? Well, he gives to each of them a specific task. First, there is the Gershonite clan, and we didn't read that, but you can read that later on today. And it's given responsibility for the outer tent, its coverings, and especially its curtains. And secondly, there is the Kohathite clan, and it is responsible for everything that is inside the tent of the tabernacle. All that gold and all those special vessels. And third, there is the Merarite clan, and it is given the duty to care for the inner structure, the frames and the cross bars, and the posts and the bases and the ropes and the tent pegs. And so in this way, each clan receives a clearly defined role, task, or function. And really, you can say, that is also how it continues throughout the Old Testament. The prophet gets his special tasks from the Lord. The king receives his special duties from the Lord. The priests, likewise, and especially the high priest, are all handed their marching orders by the Lord. Every office receives its own focus, task, and mandate. Yes, and that doesn't stop either. Also in the New Testament, God continues to ordain offices and a variety of offices. You'll notice for a time he makes use of apostles, New Testament prophets, evangelists. And thereafter he makes use of the more abiding offices in the church, namely of elders and deacons. There are the deacons who are to dispense the mercy of Christ to God's people. There are the elders, especially or those who preach and teach as well as those who rule over God's people. In short, you could say there is variety. A wonderful variety. To the abiding offices of the church, God is, as it were, ministering to the needs of all of His people. He's ministering to their physical needs and to their spiritual needs. He ministers to us for our need of revelation, of obedience, and mercy. Yes, there are all of these special offices. And of course, you may wonder why. Why are they all there? Well, in a sense, beloved, they are there to, to serve an other office, a threefold office, the most common office of all, namely the office of prophet, priest, and king. 
In other words, the office that you all have. Does the Apostle Paul not remind us of this? That the special offices are there to serve the common office. When he says that Christ gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be complete. You see, the special offices are there for the sake of that one great common office, the office of all believers. And that means, too, beloved, that this brother being ordained here this morning is not being ordained so that you can wait on him or bow before him or even serve him. Now, he is being ordained so that he can serve you and, as it were, wait on you. His task, together with the other elders of the church, is to stimulate, to encourage, to instruct, to remind, and, if need be, even to admonish you. He's working to make you complete, and mature. His purpose is, Paul says, to help you to attain to the, the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Yes, he's working. Among you always with an eye to the Lord and obedience to him. And that's something I should also remind you that Nadab and Abihu failed to do. They ignored the requirements of their office. And as you can tell, God was not pleased. Because you see, beloved, along with great work comes great responsibility. Now, of course, you might be saying to yourself, well, that's quite a task. And how in the world is our brother, is any mortal ever going to accomplish this? Well, for an answer, we need to go back to our text again. For in the last part of Numbers 3, there is spoken about two basic things. The first being substitution. And the second being redemption. First, there is substitution. Notice we we meet that idea very clearly in the verses 11, 12, 13. You meet it again in the verses 44 and 45. For there we read, The Lord also said to Moses, Take the Levites in place of all the firstborn of Israel and the livestock of the Levites in place of their livestock. And so it is that the Levites are to act as the representatives of all of the firstborn in Israel, both man and animal. You might say that the Levites are working on behalf of the firstborn. And that really means that they are doing their special work on behalf of all of the Israelites. 
None of them have temple duty because the Levites are doing temple duty for them. The Levites are their substitutes. But there's also something else that needs to be added to the picture, and that is redemption. A census is taken, and it shows that when all of the males of Levi are counted, their number comes to 22,000. And next, a census is taken of all of Israel, and the number of all the firstborn sons in Israel, and their number is 22,273. Almost 300. So what do we have here? You might say we have 300 firstborn sons, too many. 22,000 are redeemed, covered, substitute, 300 or 273 to be exact are not. Now how is that problem supposed to be fixed? How are these 273 supposed to be covered? Well, you'll notice, beloved, it is fixed by way of special redemption. The Lord tells Moses to collect five shekels for every extra firstborn son, and so 1,365 shekels are collected and given to Aaron and his sons. So what do you see? And that way all the firstborn sons are covered. They're all paid for. They're all redeemed. And so should you ask, how are the people covered and included? By means of substitution and redemption. And now think about that for a moment. Substitution and redemption. How are we today covered? How today are we Redeemed. How can the elders of the church know that their work is not in vain? Well, beloved, we and they together both look to Jesus Christ, who is our great substitute. It is Christ who comes into the world And he takes on our flesh and our blood. And the place where all of us sinners should be standing is the place where he stands. Or better yet, the place where he is hanging on Golgotha is the place where all of us should have been hanging. After all, it are our sins, our transgressions, our misdeeds that nail him to the cross, not his. Not one of those is his. They're all ours, and yet he's there. And he's there in our place, in our stead, as our substitute. But you know, he's also there as more than a substitute. He's also there as our Redeemer. In the Old Testament, the redemption price is five shekels. 
But you know, in the New Testament, the redemption price is life. It's the life, the body, and the blood of that one great perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. You know, it's not for nothing or pure coincidence that Jesus is called the firstborn. The firstborn among many brothers. The firstborn of all creation. And neither is it a coincidence that the church and the people that he redeems is called the church of the firstborn. You see, everything in the book of Numbers, even in the book of Numbers, points to Christ and finds its fulfillment in Him. In Him we live and move and have our being. In Him we work and we serve. Yes, and in Him also, you, brother underwater, may do your work as an elder in this church and among all these, God's people. Do this work, brother, not in your own strengths, but in the strength that God gives through His Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Spirit. And if you do, you will truly be proving yourself to be another special servant among all of you, God's special people. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.